0: Tell me if this sounds familiar. You've got two team members that no matter what strategies, what tactics you've tried, and how many meetings you've had, you can't get them to work dynamically together. You're now considering which one is going to be a better fit for your pharmacy moving forward. But as our guest this week, Andrew Pattinson, the general manager of Instigo, shares with us, differences are one of the biggest strengths of our pharmacies, so long as we learn how to recognize them, harness them, and use them in the right role.
1: Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing
0: technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day, everyone, and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to build your smarter, More successful, 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours, all the way through to episode 94. Big show this week, big topic as well. I think we've all been placed in this situation where no matter what we've tried to get people to resolve personality differences, we just haven't been successful. And to be able to unlock that as a weakness, and turn it into a strength is a remarkable transformation. Funny the pun, hey? So we're going to find out all about that this week and more so around a specific tool or tools that help you understand your team better so that you know that they're in the right role for the right personality and that that's actually a great thing for your business. But more on that shortly. How's your Christmas week going? I know it's a very stressful time. We may even be having these types of conversations with our team members right at moment, just under periods of deep stress. But we're nearly there, just about a week away now before Christmas hits, and hopefully a lot of you are going to be taking a break over summer and having, as we've talked about in previous episodes, a stress-free holiday. And don't forget to pick up those um, either if you're on the robertstar.com mailing list. You would have got an email over the last few weeks offering you an opportunity to download that directly from the email. But if you haven't done that, head across to robertstar.com for slash stress-free holiday and there's some great how-to videos and tools that'll help you keep connected if you really need to to your pharmacy so that you can disconnect and have a stress-free holiday. Don't forget we've got the last week that you've got to do your pharmacy freedom index so if you get that done this week as per promise but uh, I'll take up to 11.59pm on Christmas Eve, you will get a series of emails starting from the following week of what you can do to take advantage of the biggest opportunities that are coming your way through the Pharmacy Freedom Index in 2016. So if you'd like to take advantage of that, as I know many of you have already, it's been great to get some follow-up emails regarding those as well in terms of other things you're looking to achieve. And I'll be putting together with my team some series of emails to help you with that, which will include things like videos, podcasts, resources, links, exercises, things you can do to really get stuck in and hit 2016 running. Now, as many of you might be jumping in the car or jumping on a plane, it's never been a better time to have a look at audiobooks, and for you, the listeners of The Transformation Show, the show's brought to you by Audible once again, and they're offering you a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. There's a number of books in the five Prescription for a Stress-Free Holiday that I recommended last year, and they're still very, very applicable, so check those out, and to download your free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com forward slash transformation. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash transformation. So we're going to jump into our interview with Andrew. Get your pen and paper ready. There's some great tools, some great strategies he shares with you. Very actionable. And I'll see you on the other side. Our interview today is with Andrew Pattinson, he's the general manager of Instigo who are helping over 400 pharmacies understand their people and their customers. Andrew wants to be known for having a strong passion to improve the quality and sustainability of Australian community pharmacy. Andrew Pattinson, welcome to the Transformation Show. Hi Rob, thanks for having me on oh look it 's great to have you on andrew and uh, look in we- recent weeks we 've been talking about all sorts of things around our people discovering purpose, developing culture, team recruiting strategies. but you know sometimes despite our best instincts, our team just doesn 't quite gel together and uh, given your esteemed background into pharmacy and psychology i just couldn 't have thought of a better person to discuss that with
1: <laughs> thank you i've had a, uh, i've certainly got a lifelong uh, interaction with pharmacy my my father was a pharmacist, and uh, and unfortunately, I couldn't balance the chemical equation, So I, I headed down the psychology path. I always had a fascination with human behaviour and and uh, and how people think, and uh, and how they come together. And and uh, so so I'm fortunate now to to be able to fuse my two great passions, I'd say. And uh, and for the last sort of ten or fifteen years, I've uh, I've been. Uh, providing these services into community pharmacies and helping people, you know, understand their retail after coming out of an organisational psych background, and then uh, working with a group of pharmacists originally to uh, to build systems and tools to help them uh, understand their people better and to you know to to get a true competitive advantage through their people. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been great and I, and I you know continues today and and. You know, the industries is at, at a, you know, there's so much fantastic opportunity, I think, in the industry and, uh, and people are at the very core of it.
0: Well, certainly we're reaching that critical junction right now where, you know, we've never had, you know, so much change put upon us and certainly the mindset of many colleagues is, you know, having to find and do more with less and, uh, you know, certainly our assets in our businesses are often the first place we look to and there's only so much we can do with our, you know, rent and our fixed costs and so forth but, you know, our people I think will certainly agree are our biggest asset uh, and certainly to get the best out of them is Something that I think everyone would strive for.
1: Yeah, if we look at if we look at pharmacy, I mean, obviously there's you know there's a couple of models. You know, and the discount model might not be about um, maximizing the number of people you have, but if you look at the professional services models that are emerging in the industry, um, it really becomes a knowledge environment. I mean, pharmacy is a health solution retailer, um, and, a, and you know more and more so it's a relationship business. You know, we see the, the stats around that it's harder to get into doctors and pharmacy takes that first-line triage. And, uh, and so having a, a, a team that is firing and passionate and, uh, you know, with clarity of goals and roles, you know, it's, it's just so tremendously important now. Um, and as you say, with, you know, price disclosure and discounters, and margins, you know, constantly being challenged and cost basis increasing. Um, yeah, the need to, to be clear and to ensure that you've got the right people in the right roles with the right goals, it's absolutely critical. And uh, and those that are doing it well are getting fantastic results. And, you know, I mean, if you look at where the Sixth Agreement's taking us, it's about, you know, positioning pharmacy as that's... Uh, as that health retailer and people are going to be at the very core of this model.
0: And, and certainly, uh, you know, in assessing and uh, working out the best way to get uh, the best outcomes from our people, I know that a number of colleagues have remarked that they would involve themselves and put them through different types of tests. And uh, I know that's something that, you know, you're very, very passionate about in terms of profiling the team. And, uh, you know, just to give our, our listeners a bit of background, you know, what are the types of tests? Obviously, the types that get rolled around psychometric testing, personality types screen but what does it actually mean
1: yeah there's i mean there's a you know depending on what you're looking to achieve there's a there's a test and particularly online for almost anything i mean traditionally if we look at you know psychometric testing and and where it came from it was about understanding the basic human drivers and uh and why people are different and and you know why then they they behave the way they do um as i said earlier you know i I commenced my career in you know in organizational and consumer psychology, and we we certainly used to used to use a full battery of tests, from Myers Briggs tests and NEO profiling, and and uh, and it's all it's all about understanding you know the key drivers of human behaviour. There's you know we still use a few. Um, there's one in particular that we use a lot uh, in our business and with our client businesses. Called the team management profile, um, and it's it sort of elevated out of Jungian psychology. I mean, it's quite interesting um, how they've how they've been able to adapt some of those theoretical sort of psych principles to really bring them down to a practical base, so so small businesses and teams can use these to to understand their staff and their customers. And, um, and a need Jungian psychology, not to go into a psycho babble, yeah. um, but it's based on sort of 16 personality factor theory, and and you know you do a battery of tests. These the two guys have in, uh, come up with this team management profiler, an organizational psychologist and an engineer of all things, um, and they've taken what they see as to be the four key elements of of human behaviour at work. And uh, and they've then had a look at the key types of work. So, you know, and they've they've come up with this theory that there are only eight types of work regardless of what you do. So you might be doing advising work or exploring work um, or promoting or developing, and I'm happy to go into more detail about any of these. Um, And I might give you an example to try and illustrate it. Um, But then there's also eight sort of key types of site profile psych makeup. So, I mean, the four key things that we look at when we work with teams is how you build relationships. And so, you know, traditionally, the difference between introverts and extroverts is probably the one key uh, issue and point of friction in any team, regardless of the industry. You know, and it's quite fascinating when you, you know, two people look at something and, and they see something completely different. You know, it's the same thing, but based on the approach that they bring to it, um, you know, they have very different responses to it. And uh, and in pharmacy, I mean, you know, obviously a pharmacy is owned by a pharmacist, um, traditionally scientists with a, you know, a, a passion for detail. Um, a lot of pharmacists struggle with, you know, having to balance different uh, personality types and, you know, the... Um, pharmacists are typically introverted um, and so but if you look at other retail sectors and we do some work out of pharmacy um, generally retail staff are quite extroverted so you know you've got a pharmacist who who might not have a preference or an understanding of uh, different you know relationship building styles who then has to manage them and so it can be very difficult um, in trying to you know, get best practice systems in a pharmacy with so many different profiles.
0: well, I think certainly, uh, you know, and, and, and you may have may have some examples outside of, uh, you know, pharmacy industries where it has been quite successful, but, you know, it could very well be that, you know, the, the pharmacist as a typical, you know, I guess, introvert in that regard would be, you know, perhaps quite challenged if uh, the majority of the team is complete opposite and, uh, you know, may struggle in that regard and ultimately is why, you know, most colleagues, you know, tend to operate in the the, I guess the authoritative state of telling the team this is how we do things and, you know, not uh, giving a whole amount of rise to collaboration and, uh, you know, homegrown innovation in that regard.
1: And it's, and it's very interesting when you go in and work with a business and, the, you know, the, the owner is sort of captain, coach and kicker. You know, he's, he's so exhausted from telling everyone what to do and that it's very hard to elevate and understand that you know the problem in a lot of small businesses is that when that you know in that authoritative state, if uh, if in you know, a sort of a model of situational leadership, where the where the first command is as you say an authoritative or a directive one, but over time that needs to you know the tone of that needs to shift to a coaching and supporting, and then ultimately delegating. Um, and it's interesting, you know in so many pharmacies that uh, the staff on the team won't do anything until they're told to do it. And they've, you know, as you say, unintentionally bred innovation and collaboration out of the business. Um, The other other, um, thing that comes back to recruitment, and, you know, I often tell a story that I worked with, you know, there were two partners and they each, you know, they were partners in two pharmacies. One of them was a raging extrovert he ran store A and the other one was a raging introvert and he ran store B. And we went through this profiling and did some, you know, solution selling training with the stores. And in store A, where the extrovert owned it, he'd recruited a team of extroverts. I mean, these people, you know, quite literally, they didn't shut up. And, you know, they were all full of ideas, but they got nothing done. And on the other side, there were the introverts, the introvert, you know, the owner with the introverts, and he had a team of literally 16 introverts. And he'd recruited them all because they were like him and he understood them. And, you know, in that business, there were no new ideas, but there were so many systems and processes that everybody followed. Um, And what both businesses were sorely lacking was this whole concept of balance, you know, that they they just didn't have the balance to, to achieve all the roles required in a pharmacy, starting with innovation and then going through you know, sales and promoting that, you know, internally, developing project management, organising, and then producing and inspecting the work that had been done. Um, so it's interesting that that unintentionally, both people had, had recruited a team around them like them um, and both businesses were suffering because they just didn't have the balance. Um, and it's interesting using some of these tools, and as I said, the, uh, uh, the team management profile is its a team-based tool. So you can plot everybody around on what's called a wheel so everyone can see how they sit and, and what their personality profile is relative to others in the team. And it gives you a really good insight as to why um, innovations fail, projects fail, you know, and where there are there are gaps, and the benefit of that obviously is being able to then um, either recruit, you know, and then in the next uh, the next person you recruit, um, you find a person to fill a gap, um, and certainly in our business here, um, that's the way I use the tool internally in our business is to find specific people to to um, fill a gap or to lead us forward in a direction that we need to go. And so if that is, you know, we need people with um, who higher creativity or, you know, if it's a project management role, people that are stronger with organising. Um, so understanding, you know, those preferences. And, uh, you know, there's an old saying that I often use in, uh, in presentations that's uh, never try to teach a pig to sing. Because it wastes your time and a noisy pig. and you go into so many pharmacy businesses, and they've got you know an extroverted pharmacist checking Webster's who hates his life. They've got a. They're trying to force an introverted pharmacist on the back counter to go and really engage with customers and provide the solutions they know the business needs. Um, but they've got a fundamental structural issue, and uh, and when you get it right, the benefits are significant. And one of my guys did some work with it. A team, you know, just in the last few months, and they actually went in and restructured seven roles, you know, based on everyone understanding what their preferences and then what their profile was and what they would be most successful at, what they really wanted to do and, and would be passionate about, you know, they ended up restructuring seven roles and, you know, creating some new ones, you know, the, the back counter pharmacist or the professional services pharmacist, and then, you know, there was... Some pharmacists who really just you know wanted to check websters or wanted to check you know medication backs and, and that's what they considered a good day. so uh, lining up their preferences with their um, accountability and uh, had some really good business results and I think they're up nine percent off a flat base in a, in a couple of months and it was all about just understanding the team, reengaging them to the vision, Aligning their outcomes and their accountabilities with that, and then uh, and then giving them the support that they need. So, so oftentimes, you know, it's the feedback that's the problem. It's the understanding of you know the team and what they're going to be best at that uh, that can hold them back. You know, oftentimes, you don't need new people. You just need to harness the people you've got and get them in the right roles. and uh, And in a non-threatening manner.
0: I think the interesting thing is, as you touched on, I love that uh, sporting analogy of being captain, coach and, uh, and kicker. Um, you know, certainly someone who loves their sport, and I know many of our colleagues do as well. Uh, you know, it's taking that metaphor of, uh, you know, trying to use the AFL, which I, I, I love most, uh, you know, kicking the ball out from fullback, trying to mark your own kick and get it up the other end for a goal. It's just not <laughs> going not, not, not to happen. And, uh, and I think, uh, you know, sometimes even despite the best systems as we've seen just recently in the AFL grand final, that can, you know, fall over if you haven't got the personnel who can adjust to a changing environment, which uh, of course the West Coast Eagles were subjected to. And, (laughs) you know, I think certainly, you know, you, you mentioned there in terms of, you know, you really don't know what gaps you have until you've established them. And perhaps... You know, one of the gaps is is the definition of what we see as uh, owners of pharmacy as the role of the owner in terms of, you know, do you have to be everything to everyone within the team um, or are you there to coach and enable and mentor your team into the roles that require? You know, I think, you know, we quite often talk about, you know, there are roles being established in pharmacy that have never existed before, uh, professional services and being more front and center is probably quite a challenge for a lot of older pharmacists who just have not been subjected to that uh, throughout their careers and, you know, that's evolving and then we've also got in other aspects of the business, whether it be, you know, local area marketing or social media, the need for people within the business to be a little bit more extroverted to communicate with patients and the local community through digital means which may not come natively to an older owner. So um, certainly all those positions can can't be filled um, by by the owner initially until they find someone to do it the same way as they do. And, uh, you know, that that in itself is a massive shift.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, it's, uh, it is it is starting to run your business uh, far more like it was a corporate, you know, in, in using, you know, people to help you understand. I mean, it's interesting the number of pharmacists who have you know, coaches of some capacity now and are, and are looking to actually get that external advice, in the, you know, from talking to industry accountants and they're seeing more of that of how, to, how do I actually um, bring my vision to life and how do I understand uh, what roles I should have, who should do it, you know, can I outsource my marketing or, you know, uh, Looking at opportunity cost and those kind of things, and it's, it's interesting. As the, as the industry shifted, you know, I've I've uh, I've often said I think that the greatest danger to pharmacy is it, it's the inability to change. It's you know, um, and and it's you know, if you go back to Psych theory one hundred and one, said you know Kotter's eight steps to change, and the first one is is to uh, create a sense of urgency. And I think the stat is that half change projects fail because there just isn't a sense of urgency created. So as a business owner and a leader, um, that's the number one thing that everybody should be doing, saying, um, you know, what is our strategy? Um, and internally ensuring that their staff and the team understand that, you know, there is a real compelling need to change, that it's a time of... Of business model change in pharmacy, and we all have to go through the process and go through some change um, to come out the other side. I think it's absolutely imperative, and and, essential to that is understanding the capability of of the team Mm. and understanding where they're really going to have strengths and/or you know external providers and these kind of things. You have to do it.
0: and, yeah. I guess, and I guess on that, Andrew, you know, for, for a pharmacy owner listening to this thinking, you know, okay, look, if I want to get a, a better understanding of, of my team and engaging in these tests, is it something that you can very easily adapt or adopt into an existing business? And, uh, you know, what are the likely, uh, you know, pitfalls that they may run into? Certainly, whenever any form of perceived accountability has been introduced into businesses, whether it be time and attendance counters and all. Sorts of things, there has been some pushback, but uh, you know, what, what would you say is, I guess, being those first few steps, and you know, what are the likely impacts initially? It's
1: interesting, having worked in this space and providing these services in the pharmacy for uh, for over 10 years. Um, the first time we did it, there was this kind of fear. You now, I, I remember it vividly of people, you know, saying, Oh, well, you know what I'm thinking now, you know, you just just want to read my mind, um, and and if the if the whole thing's positioned in a which we which incidentally I can't read the mind but that's it. that is a shame but um, the if the whole program is positioned as a business program to improve everybody's jobs then it's hard for everyone not to get on board with it. You now we run some feedback sessions with teams and you know, always they come out of it saying, geez, we, you know, it was fantastic. You know, I've had, you know, I remember one particular feedback session that two staff members were there saying this is the pharmacy game Tasmania and they were laughing when we lined them up by their personality profile and they were the two most different people on the face of the earth. I mean, you know, they, you couldn't have met two more different people. And they were laughing, saying, Oh, this is why we don't get on very well. <laughs> and it had broken down the barriers, you know, that, that it had taken the toxicity out of it. And what they could say is, that, you know, I now understand that you like to do this kind of stuff and I can't stand it. And I like to do this kind of stuff. And I'm very structured and you're very flexible and I'm analytical and you're beliefs based. So it's not that we don't get on, it's just that we're so different that. You know, we actually, um, we need to work at it to find that common ground. And So, so it's an interesting process you now to go through. In terms of, you know, most of the tools now are available online. Um, you know, generally the tests take you know, sort of no more than 10 or 15 minutes and you can get, you know, pretty accurate results. Um, and they have, you know, uh, variability scales, so they... You know, most people listening would probably have done one once upon a time and they ask the same question in half a dozen different ways and give you a sliding scale of answers. So, so you know, then generally the, the results are pretty accurate. We've probably done uh, maybe a thousand of these things with the pharmacy staff and I've only had three or four that I thought were wrong and they were when people tried to you know, uh, manipulated or second-guess, you know, what what uh, what you actually were asking. Um, and the whole point of it is that when you're looking to improve the quality of a team, you want everyone, you know, we're a team of individuals coming together. We just have to achieve a greater good. Um, yeah. yeah, so, so it's... It's generally an interesting process rather than a threatening
0: process. Well, it's yeah. interesting the example you sh- shared there earlier about the two people who couldn't have been more different, uh, really able to recognise their indifference and understand why they weren't getting along. And it would have been very hard for either of them to try to uh, cheat or manipulate the testing system, yeah. not known uh, what the others in the team were actually uh, responding and, you know, where they fit. Uh, because in reality, I guess when you uh, bring all those results results together and uh, I guess form a team profile uh, overall, uh, it's not really about, you know, whether you've answered correctly, but how you fit with everyone else. And uh, yeah, certainly I think in that regard, it should be viewed as non-threatening because uh, it's recognising indifference as a standard rather than uh, something that, uh, you know, would be, uh, you know, frowned upon or, or removed uh, without really knowing that. And I guess when when you look at that, um, how does it actually affect the team dynamic then? And, uh, you know, I think you shared a few examples of how some teams had to restructure. I think there was one that you said that, uh, you know, restructured, I think, seven different roles and got great results. But, you know, I guess the the understanding, you know, those different personalities and profiles, um, how do you then, you know, look at the roles of those people and decide, well, this is more suited to this or or the other?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's where, the, that's where I guess some of the experience comes in. <laughs> is to be able to, to look at profiles. And there's been, you know, I, I did some work with a, with a guy uh, up north in Queensland, and he, he'd had problems within his team for three years. And by, by going through this process, it became very clear that the leader of the team, you know, was very introverted, um, didn't have a preference at all for communicating was very highly structured and probably couldn't be the leader that he needed in this phase of the uh, cycle that business was in. And so, I mean, off the back of that, you know, decisions had to be made and not callous decisions, but decisions about um, looking at that person who was an excellent pharmacist but was under a lot of stress in a leadership role that really he shouldn't have been put in because... You know, he was an excellent, uh, an excellent clinician, an excellent tactician. He just wasn't a leader of people. And, you know, it was causing, you know, a, yeah, like I say, considerable angst to everyone. I mean, you know, so sometimes we're going to lose good people who form a really important role in the business because we're trying to force them to take another role that they're entirely unsuited for. And, you know, and... So understanding that process and being able to sit down and say, look, you know, here's, here's where you fit. This is the kind of stuff you like to do. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah it is. Well, how do we get you doing more of it? Um, and certainly I know in our office, I mean, you know, here we've got a team uh, predominantly of extroverts and of people who are unstructured. So we have to make sure that we have really good systems in place to maintain and to ensure that we have structure because, you know, in, in teams that don't have a high need for structure, things can roll on and all those kinds of things. So, so just by uh, understanding the dynamic, it then enables you to, as a team, I mean, there's nothing better than doing this and giving ownership to the to the whole team of the systems and the processes within the business. I mean, you know, a grassroots movement will always... Uh, will always you know, gather a lot more force and momentum uh, internally than than sort of something that's overlaid from the top. So getting everyone to understand where the gaps are, coming up with a, a shared initiative to fill those gaps and then developing projects off the back of that, um, it's a recipe for long-term success.
0: And particularly, I guess, when you, when you look at the long term and a lot of us will make decisions looking at the end in mind, um, would you consider utilising this profiling at an early stage of a business's development or even at an early stage of recruiting a new team member in as much that rather than wait for someone to join the team and, you know, perhaps we might decide whether that person's suitable based on currently might just be based on skills or particular particularly on a more advanced level, maybe on the specific role, um, but without knowing, I guess, their personality profiles and so forth. So would you consider using that in the recruiting process or do you think it's a little overkill?
1: Um, it depends on what you're looking for. So, um, you know, I think a lot of the, well, not a lot, but some of the site profiling companies don't necessarily recommend it. Um I find it quite useful personally and I've certainly had clients that have, that have done it and used it with great success. I find it's really, it's a really useful tool to a newly forming team. If you think of the, you know, that, the old classic stages of team development of the form, storm, norm and form, you know, a team comes together and it's forming and, and everyone's feeling their way around and, and trying to understand the roles. It's a really good crystallizer. Um, for for the team to all understand, you know, each other, how they think and, you know, you can do some exercises that pretty quickly highlight um, the roles that people will, will sort of gravitate towards primarily. Um, uh, and so understanding at an early stage of a team's formation how things are going to come together, um, I think it's a... It, It's a really important tool. Having said that, the guys that I've recently done as part of a coaching program have used the tool in a team that had no change for three years, I think, um, and had great success there. You know, I tend to think the earlier you can understand the preferences and the way people are going to work, um, as a leader, the earlier you can tailor your approach. And that's, that's really what it's all about. If you look at, you know, current theories of human engagement, it's about one size doesn't fit all. It's about you know, tailoring your approach um, to get the best out of the, uh, out of the person that you manage and lead Um So I think any tools you can use to facilitate and expedite that process um, are important. I guess, you know, as others have said in the podcast, and the key in recruiting is to get someone with a great attitude. If you recruit somebody with fantastic attitude. Uh, regardless of their profile to some extent. I mean, it's, you know, you're halfway there.
0: Well, certainly you can train you can train skills and all of those hard yeah. elements, but uh, certainly you know we're seeing those soft skills becoming a lot more valuable. You know, being around communication and empathy, particularly in pharmacy, um, you know, particularly towards the sustainability of pharmacy as well as so many things that can be automated in our profession will be. And uh, I guess what what do you see this profiling? playing as a role in the future of, of pharmacies. I know that, you know, going through, you know, a careers counsellor at school, even myself, <laughs> and that was, you know, 16, 17 years <laughs> ago, but, uh, you know, we all did the Myers-Briggs test and, you know, they sort of then steer you towards certain careers and so forth. But, you know, do you think we might get to a point where, you know, we're going to be almost able to predict, uh, you know, the success of a applicant um, before we've even got to the interview stage based on, you know, the of some algorithm or profile. Um, well, I,
1: I think you. I think you're always going to going to be able to get a better outcome by understanding people better. You know, I firmly believe that. The you know, I don't think there's unfortunately I don't think there's a, a surefire algorithm for success. But but I do think that understanding um, the uh, the way people uh, think and the kinds of roles that they uh, are going to be most successful about are going to um, give you better results. And and I think we you know, certainly we've seen that in all the tools that we've used. Um, the ongoing, you know, people need to be led and that's never going to change and different people require different types of, of management and leadership. And I think that's really important because it's, it's so difficult, you know, in a busy, small business environment, um, you know, if you're doing 350 scripts a day and then trying to do all of this as well um, with no support, um, you know, it's going to be, it's a pretty tough old existence there. But, uh, you know, ensuring that you're surrounded by capable people who are, you know, in the right roles with the right goals is really going to give you a much better chance of success. And then, you know, as you, as you alluded to earlier, looking at your P&L, I mean, you've got your sunken costs, but, but looking at, you know, optimising the return on your labour,
0: Well, I think, you know, it gives us focus as well. Um, You know, I think sometimes we could probably cringe if we uh, just pick up an average set of uh, seek job advertisements uh, for different pharmacy roles. And, you know, there's just the generic nature of them in terms of hours, skills required. And uh, it's very easy for someone to front up to one of those and say, yeah, I've got these skills. I've got that amount of experience that you're after. But imagine if you understand your team much better, you're then able to write pharma more effective and uh, more relevant recruitment ads about the type of person you're actually after, um, short of putting them through a profiling test. Uh, But certainly it's able to, you know, give that role that you're looking for a a razor-sharp focus in terms of the person that you want, not necessarily the role that you're looking to fulfil. Yeah, I
1: think that's 100% right. And I think, you know, oftentimes in, in pharmacy you know, you even look at how people recruit, you know, they pop it out up in the window and call it job done. Um, and so the talent pool you're uh, pulling from is people walking past the store, you know, and, and you know, seek's another good case in point. I mean, I often laugh that you know, people put, you know, whether it's legal or not, must have five years' experience. Um, and I think everyone listening can think of many people I've worked with that have got 20 years' experience that they would never hire, hmm. And people that have got, you know, five weeks experience that they hire and a half day. Um, And, you know, so um, taking the time to have a look at your business, identifying the problem, not the symptoms. So what are you looking to, you know, what growth are you looking for? What areas do you see that there's opportunity within the business? And how do I find people that are going to help me grow into that area? Um, And then if I think of the people that have, have been successful in the past, what was their profile? Um, it's all, you know, in terms of you know, getting better predictive validity, um, you know, it's a, it's a really important standpoint.
0: Well, I imagine that, you know, in this day and age, we all appreciate now that our retail space, when we look at merchandise, you know, we can't be everything to everyone and offer too much duplication of different types of products and so forth. And we're starting to really zero in on what we want to be known for, um, you know, looking at our, you know, products and services offering. But in terms of our people, um, you know, it's also important, you know, in terms of getting your return on investment of your people uh, that we have people that are going to, you know, really add value and contribute to the synergies between the team rather than having, you know, an extra person on the bench uh, for positions that perhaps may not be fulfilled just yet. Um, So, yeah, it's an interesting landscape that we're we're shifting to in all elements of pharmacy, not only in merchandise, but people and uh, certainly, you know, our niches. But uh, I guess if we, uh, you know, get our crystal balls out and, you know, it's a question I love having having fun with and... And we put away, you know, some of the things that hold us back and, uh, you know, stagnate some of our change, time and resources. You know, what would you see as the biggest game changer that you'd love to see in pharmacies today? Oh,
1: that is a tough one. The, um, my personal opinion is something that can facilitate change. Um, the, from the stores that we work with, the biggest challenge is execution and you know, getting that, delivering a message. So it would be some kind of execution tool, and there's some pretty good ones out there, training tools and these kinds of things, that can actually engage the team. So so I, I don't know I've got one solution to that. It's a, it's a bit of a circular response. Um, but I certainly think, um, yeah, it would definitely be a tool that can... Improve execution at a retail level. So, I mean, at the moment, there's there's plenty of tools in the marketplace. You know, from site profiling tools and certainly communication tools. Uh, I'd love to see someone fuse all of those into into one delivery tool that could uh, that could deliver you know the messages and the change to to pharmacy staff, particularly and to pharmacists, um, to help them implement. Uh, programs particularly, but merchandise solutions are uh, more consistently and efficiently, and I think they get a much better return on investment. Yeah. And probably probably for like that.
0: It's, it's, it's certainly, you know, look, you get integration of everything, you know, it's often a debate that we quite often have around some of our IT systems and the fact mm-hmm. that some are in silo, don't talk to each other and perhaps we're not maximising the insights that by bringing that all information together mm-hmm. uh, could potentially do and, you know, it's just that journey of, towards, uh, you know, how do we do that? And, look, I, I gather, you know, as in with most things, you know, having these best practice processes of looking at all these things, it's going to take time but, you know, to automate it all is, you know, certainly going to be a, a massive thing to be able to not only deliver insights about our customers, but within the business to, you know, continually improve it so that, uh, you know, we can hopefully see uh, the fact that, you know, certain pharmacies and so forth have stagnated, that, you know, you don't get that opportunity to stagnate because you get delivered insights automatically about uh, how to best get the most out of your team. Look, it's great to have you on the show, Andrew. Look, I know that our listeners have taken so much. away from today you know certainly some elements of really how to unlock some of these hidden elements that they may not even be aware of the different personalities reasons why some of their team may be tearing each other's hair out and requesting that they don't (laughs) work the same shifts and uh you know hopefully it has bring the team together and uh you know drop that barrier down as the example you shared earlier and uh we look forward to following your journey and inviting you back in the not too distant future great stuff rob thanks for having me on thanks andrew but well, We always get told to turn our weaknesses into strengths and this is a prime example of something that happens in our businesses every week and it literally turns the paradigm of our thinking upside down. My three key learnings, well, number one is that difference is a great thing. We need to embrace it. We don't want to surround ourselves with people the same as us. If we're introverted, we don't want more introverts around us. Otherwise, we'll be just highly systematized, as Andrew mentioned. Or if we're all extroverted and we're surrounded by extroverts, we'll have lots of ideas, but we'll get nothing done. So the differences are a great key to unlocking the success of your business. And number two is that there's no wrong answers if you're going to engage in team profiling and psychometric testing. No one should be viewing it as a threat or trying to cheat the system because as we've discussed, the difference is actually the strength, not the weakness. And you can't forge that. And number three is as an owner, don't be captain, coach and kicker. We can't do everything. We can't be everything. We need to be present for our patients first and foremost. But in our businesses, there are going to be people and personalities better suited to different roles in the business. And we need to step back, get off the field and help our team put the strategy in place. And that brings us to our transformation motivational quote of the week, which comes from Stephen Covey. And the quote is, Strength lies in differences, not in similarities. Coming up on the Transformation Show, in the next three weeks, me and my team have gone through all of the Pharmacy Freedom Index diagnostics that you have done in the last 18 months, and we've pulled out the three biggest challenges that you're facing right now. It'll be one show per challenge, and we're going to pull together all the expert and inside opinions that we've gathered in that 18-month period as well, and condense it into three dedicated shows to help you implement them in 2000. If you've loved this week's show, leave a comment in the show notes. I read and respond to every single one of them and our guests like Andrew today are only too happy to share with you and answer any questions you might have individually as well. On behalf of the Transformation Show, I wish you all a Merry Christmas and have a safe and Happy New Year and look forward to ...to seeing your businesses grow and thrive in 2016. I'm going to leave a little link in the show notes here at robertstar.com forward slash episode 94. And I'd love you to share with me some of your little wins or big wins... ...that you've had from listening to the show in the last 18 months to two years. We are coming up to our two-year anniversary. So I'd love to, as we get closer, feature some of those big or small wins on The Transformation Show... And I might even hit you up for a short interview as we celebrate our two year anniversary. Have a great week, everyone. Keep safe, enjoy your Christmas and your families, and I'll see you in 2016.